Welcome to Through the Bible with Dr. Michelle and Friends. Hey everyone, my name is Dr. Michelle and this is session number eight in our revelatory walk through the pages of scripture. In this session, we will be going from Exodus chapters 27 all the way to 40. So we're going to complete the book of Exodus by the end of this session. And as I get started, I pray that our hearts and our minds will be ready to encounter God as we see how he moved through the lives of Moses and the children of Israel, the things that he has done and how his desire is that we would walk in close fellowship with him. And I pray this in Jesus's name. So as we pick up in chapter 27, much has happened already in the book of Exodus. The children of Israel were enslaved in Egypt. God rose up a deliverer in the person of Moses, and he sends Moses along with Aaron to Pharaoh to tell Pharaoh to let God's people go. Pharaoh does not let God's people go easily, and we see the 10 plagues come. And finally, finally, after much pressure, we see Pharaoh allowing God's people to go. And the instructions were that Moses would lead them three days into the wilderness to worship him. And so they get there, and of course, there is some murmuring, there's some complaining. God has already delivered them from Egypt through the Red Sea. He has provided for them by causing bitter waters to become sweet and providing quail for them to eat for meat and manna, bread from heaven for them to have every day. God is showing that he is a God of covenant and he is committed to his people. And he desires that his people would fellowship with him, would obey him and walk before him wholly. And one of the things that we see and we can take this for our own lives. Sometimes when we're walking out the word of God for our lives, there are challenges that we encounter, but we have enough evidence that God is faithful. And so he doesn't want us to murmur. He doesn't want us to complain or to doubt his goodness. And Moses knows that even when the people are complaining against Moses, they're really complaining against God because God is their true leader and Moses is his spokesperson. They come to this place and now Moses is going up into the mountain, the Mount Sinai, and he is communing with God. He is receiving instructions for the tabernacle, how God wants to dwell in the midst of his people, Israel. Before I go even any further into the action, let me just remind you of the main figures that we see in this, uh, this collection of chapters. So we're going to see Moses again, who is, we consider one of the greatest Old Testament prophets, who was God's spokesperson, the person that God used to deliver the children of Israel. And also Moses has a unique relationship with God. He desires God. He hungers for God. He, he loves God's presence. He he obeys God, and we're going to see how that plays out for the rest of the book of Exodus. And then we also see Joshua. He was introduced as um, Moses' assistant and the one who led the military advancement during their, their war with Amalek or their battle with Amalek. And so he has an important part to play as well in this entire action. And also 
Aaron. Aaron is very important to this entire move of God. And even as God is about to give more instructions about the tabernacle and the roles of the priests and the high priests, we're going to see Aaron really come to to the forefront in this position. But we also see Aaron do an interesting thing in the building of the golden calf, which we're gonna read about in just a short while. All right, so those are a few people that you're going to encounter, the main ones. Of course, we encounter God. We see what is on his heart, what is on his mind. We see how he wants to be with his people and also how he begins to shape the system of worship for the nation of Israel so that they are able to to approach God and also have God dwelling in their midst. So in the last chapter of the last session, God had begun to give Moses instructions for the tabernacle. And that is where we pick up for today. Moses is up in the mountain and we are, we're going to learn that he was up there for 40 days and 40 nights. So he's there in the cloud of the presence of God and he's communing with God and God, after he has given him the, the, the moral law, the 10 commandments, we see him giving the tabernacle instructions. So first part in chapter 27 is the altar of burnt offering. God is giving Moses instructions of how to build this specific article for the tabernacle and he lets him know what the significance of it is. Because the altar, it's a place where animals will be killed, right? It's a place where a sacrifice is going to be made, and we're going to see the, the concept of atonement for sin. God was instituting a system in which they can be atoned for their sin. And that is necessary because God wanted to dwell in their midst and God is completely holy. And as we go through the different articles of the tabernacle and their significance, you it leads up to the purpose of Jesus coming and why Jesus had to die for us. We see that, of course, later on in the New Testament, but the entire Bible leads up to his birth, his death, and his resurrection resurrection. Jesus would be the final and ultimate sacrifice for our sins. And in this system, in the Old Testament, there, there was a temporary removal of sin through the shedding of the blood of animals. This altar of burnt offering was designed to be square and overlaid with bronze. And with its construction, there would be rings and poles. Remember the Ark of the Testimony also had rings and poles because that's how it was supposed to be carried. This altar was about seven feet, six inches square and four feet, six inches high. So it's a significant size and it has a very, very important place in this whole dwelling place of God, this whole sacrificial system. And reading from verse three, uh, this is what it says. Also, you shall make its pans to receive its ashes and its shovels and its basins and its forks and its fire pans. You shall make all its utensils of bronze. So we have the altar and these utensils that are going to be used in the sacrificing of the animal. So we have the pans that would hold the ashes that would be removed from the altar with shovels. And then we have the basins to catch the blood of the, anim the animals. And the, the blood will be used to be sprinkled on the altar's base later on. All right, so there's also the forks. Now these will be important for arranging the sacrifices. 
on the altar and the fire pans. Now the fire pans would carry the fire from the altar of incense into the holy place. We continue and after he talks about the altar, we're going to the court of the tabernacle. So in the last session, I spoke about the, the tent where there was the most holy place and then there was the holy place. And now we're coming outside of the tent into the court. And the court was going to be lined with a fine linen fence and that would mark off its courtyard. And the area that would be provided would be approximately 150 feet by 75 feet. There would be a courtyard, and then within the courtyard, there would be the actual tabernacle. Now, the gate for the, the courtyard was on the east side. And it's the same side uh, as the gate of the tent of the tabernacle. When you read through the description, it talks about the colors that are going to be used for the weavings. There's blue, there is purple, there is scarlet, and of course, fine linen thread. Now, interestingly, there's only one gate to the courtyard, just like there's only one entrance into the tent of the tabernacle. And this was significant because there, there, this was a controlled place. Everybody and anybody could just walk in and do what they wanted. This was a sacred place, a controlled place, and there was only one way of entering and accessing the presence of God. God is giving specific way, a specific way how he wants the people to approach him, how the priests come to him. And of course, that's leading towards Jesus because Jesus is the only way. There are not many ways to God. Jesus is the only way to the presence of God. So there's one way. Now, the courtyard has the fine linen um, curtains and then there are pillars. And every pillar had a top of silver. There's a lot of precious metals in the construction of the tabernacle. So you have silver. And can you imagine the sight that in the middle of a wilderness, in the middle of a desert, you're going to be able to see the the tabernacle and the courtyard from afar off because all that silver, you know, is glittering in the sun. And each pillar also had a base of bronze. Now, going through all the description, I'm not going to read it verse for verse, but lets you know how the courtyard is made with the pillars, with the curtains, with the pegs to anchor down the flaps of the tabernacle to make sure everything was secured. So allow me to read verses 17 to 19 for you. It says, All the pillars around the court shall have bands of silver. Their hooks shall be of silver and their sockets of bronze. The length of the court shall be 100 cubits, the width 50 cubits, and the height 5 cubits, made of fine woven linen and its sockets of bronze. All the utensils of the tabernacle for all of its service, all its pegs, and all the pegs of the court shall be of bronze. Okay? So we're seeing it's very specific, the instructions that God has given Moses, and he expects him later on to follow this to a T. So we continue on in the chapter, and now the attention is turned to the care of the lampstand. So allow me to read verses 20 to 21 for, for you. And you shall command the children of Israel that bring you pure oil of pressed olives for the light to cause the lamp to burn continually. In the tabernacle of meeting outside the veil, which is before the testimony, Aaron and his sons shall tend it from evening until morning before the Lord. It shall be a statute forever to their generations on behalf of the children of 
Israel. So in this instruction, the Lord is letting Moses know that he expects light to be in the tabernacle continually. And when the priests are instituted in their office of priesthood and they're ministering before the Lord, there must be a trimming and a taking care of the lamps in the morning and in the evening. The light shall not go out. And this is to carry out through all of the generations. And so we go over to chapter 28 and the instructions continue. Now the Lord speaks to Moses about the garments for the priesthood. So we have the articles for the tabernacle. We've talked about the actual tent of the tabernacle and the layers and the curtains. We've spoken about the courtyard with the pegs and with the pillars and the fine linen curtain. And now the priests who are going to be ministering to the Lord continually, Aaron and his sons, they have specific garments that they have to wear. Verses 1 to 4 of chapter 28 reads, Now take Aaron your brother and his sons with him from among the children of Israel, that he may minister to me as priest. Aaron and Aaron's sons, Nadab, Abihu, Eliezer, and Ithamar. And you shall make holy garments for Aaron your brother for glory and for beauty. So you shall speak to all who are gifted artisans, whom I have filled with the spirit of wisdom, that they may make Aaron's garments, to consecrate him, that he may minister to me as priest. And these are the garments which they shall make, a breastplate, an ephod, a robe, a skillfully woman tunic, a turban, and a sash. And they shall make holy garments for Aaron your brother and his sons, that he may minister to me as priest. So let's look at this, this selection of verses, and let's talk about a couple things about the priesthood and the garments that they are going to be wear, wearing. First of all, the priesthood of Israel, those who would minister or serve the Lord, be in the Lord's presence continually, is not something that you can get into by your effort or by your good works or by giving a lot to the Lord. You had to have been born into the family of Aaron. You have been born into the tribe of Levi. These were the ones who would be able to stand before the Lord and minister before him. Also, when it talks about the garments that they are to wear, the Lord uses the phrase for glory and for beauty. And that's significant because the tabernacle where the Lord was going to dwell in the midst of his people was to represent the heavenly reality of where God dwells. And so the tabernacle had to be wonderful. It had to be glorious and it had to be beautiful. And so the garments that the priests were going to wear had to reflect that beauty and that glory. And so everything was to be crafted with care, with the best of materials, and everything had a significance to it. And the other thing about it too is that the Lord says, that they're going to be specific people, gifted artisans who are going to make these items for the priesthood. They have been filled with the spirit of wisdom. They have an infilling with the Holy Spirit, who is the spirit of wisdom, to enable them to make everything according to the specific instructions of the Lord, and also, may I add, with the mentality and the heart position that would 
honor God. So he, he has people within the congregation who are going to be gift, who are gifted in this area, will be able to do this type of service for the priesthood. We continue and the Lord gives a description about the ephod. So the ephod was a part of their attire and it was like an ornate apron-like garment made of gold and blue and purple and scarlet thread. On the shoulder straps, there were polished gemstones on each strap. And the inscription of the six tribes were on one stone and the other six were on the other stone. So there's the 12 tribes of Israel. And so on the shoulder of the high priest, he was going to be bearing the names of the tribes, representing them before God. Verses 11 to 12 say, with the work of an engraver in stone, like the engravings of a signet, you shall engrave the two stones with the names of the sons of Israel. You shall set them in settings of gold, and you shall put them the two stones on the shoulders of the ephod as memorial stones for the sons of Israel. So that is the first portion of the attire for the high priest. Then we go to the breastplate. Verse 15 describes, you shall make the breastplate of judgment artistically woven according to the workmanship of the ephod. You shall make it of gold, blue, purple, and scarlet thread, and fine woven, woven linen. You shall make it. The breastplate was also made with the, the, the thread that the ephod was made with, and it was attached to the ephod with gold chains. And on the breastplate were four rows of three gemstones, the different types of stones. The Bible describes each one, and each stone would have the name of a tribe on it. So 12 stones, 12 tribes, and this would be worn on the chest, right? The breastplate would be worn on the chest of the high priest. So he is bearing the names of the sons of Israel on his heart. So there's one on the names on the shoulder. He's carrying them on the shoulder and then bearing them on his heart. Verses 29 to 30. So Aaron shall bear the names of the sons of Israel on the breastplate of judgment over his heart. When he goes into the holy place as a memorial before the Lord continually. And you shall put in the breastplate of the judgment, the orm and the tome, and they shall be over Aaron's heart when he goes in before the Lord. So Aaron shall bear the judgment of the children of Israel over his heart before the Lord continually. So in this breastplate, there are two additional items. They are the orm and the thome, and they literally mean lights and perfection. So we don't know exactly what they were or how they were used. Researchers lean to the idea that they were used to discern the will of God. Perhaps they were stones um, that look a little different. And when they were cast down, when asking the Lord a question, there was a way to discern what God would say, whether yes or no. Even though we may not know all the specifics of it, it, it does lead us to see that God wants Israel to get their direction directly 
from him. They want He wants Israel to come to him and ask him how to go and where to go. So we have the ephod, we have the breastplate, we have the robe. Verses 31 to 36, allow me to read them for you. Uh, you shall make the robe of the ephod all of blue. There shall be an opening for his head in the middle of it. It shall have a woven binding all around its opening, like the opening in a coat of mail, so that it does not tear. And upon its hem, you shall make pomegranates of blue, purple, and scarlet all around its hem and bells of gold between them. A golden bell and a pomegranate, a golden bell and a pomegranate upon the hem of the robe all around. And it shall be upon Aaron when he ministers, and its sound will be heard when he goes into the holy place before the Lord. And when he comes out, that he may not die. The sound is to alert the other priests that Aaron is still alive because he is going to go into the manifest presence of God. Continuing on, verse 36, you shall also make a plate of pure gold and engrave on it like the engraving of a signet, holiness to the Lord. So the robe was like a basic covering for the priest made of all blue, and it was seamless. Aaron would also have a turban, and on this turban would be a plate with the inscription, holiness to the Lord, and he would bear that on his head. And so it continues in this chapter to talk about the tunic, the turban, what I just said, the sash. And then it goes over from the high priest garments, Aaron's garments, to Aaron's sons. So verses 40 to 43. For Aaron's sons, you shall make tunics and you shall make sashes for them. And you shall make hats for them for glory and beauty. So you shall put them on Aaron, your brother, and on his sons with him. You shall anoint them consecrate them and sanctify them that they may minister to me as priests and you shall make for them linen trousers to cover their nakedness they shall reach from they shall reach from the waist to the thigh they shall be on Aaron and on his sons when they come into the tabernacle of meeting or when they come near the altar to minister in the holy place that they do not incur iniquity and die it shall be a statute forever to him and his descendants after him the first section of the garments for the priesthood were for Aaron, who was going to become the high priest. Very spectacular with the, the ephod, with the robe, with the breastplate and, and the turban and the plate holiness unto the Lord. Now for the, the other priests who would be Aaron's sons, they were going to get tunics. They were going to get turbans. Um, they're not going to get the breastplate. They will not get the ephod. And also... All of the priests had to wear linen undergarments so that their nakedness would never be exposed in the tabernacle. And Aaron's sons, the, the other priests, would also have these garments for glory and for beauty to represent the holy place in heaven. Not only do they receive these garments, but the Lord says that they shall be anointed, 
consecrated and sanctified. So we are going to see that when they come into the priesthood, this is going to become their full-time occupation. They're going to be different from the other tribes of Israel. They are not to go out and work as shepherds or do different things. They are to minister unto God. And so God is going to anoint them. We're going to see with the holy oil, with the anointing oil, he's going to consecrate them. He's, they're going to have to wash and change garments. They're going to be sanctified, set apart for service and ministry unto the Lord continually. They are going to enter into the priesthood and this is going to be their focus.